So we're starting um, a new sermon series, and I'm really excited about it because, as you know, there were 31 people who got to go to Israel and see the land of the Bible, and I can't help but describing it in cliches, like it makes the Bible come alive, but it really does. It makes the Bible come alive, and it was an experience that I wanted not just for the 31 people who got to go, but for all of you, for this whole church family that only some of us could go, but all of us could see the land of the Bible and maybe have an understanding of that geography shape our reading of the scripture and our understanding of what's going on there. So we're going to begin today with a look at what happened to Jesus right after his baptism when he went into the wilderness, and we're going to be talking about temptation. So before we get into the Bible, I want us to look at one of the things society says about temptation. Have a look. I feel like I've sold my soul to do something fantastic, which has come to this place. Now the fun is over and I'm paying for it. And I hate to hate to say it's a mistake, but now I'm in hell. come back to where that guy was and what had brought him into hell. Um, but I want us to read just from the very beginning of the scripture about Jesus in the wilderness. This is the temptation that Jesus faced and how he responded. This is in Luke chapter 4. Then Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan River after he was baptized. He was led by the Spirit into the wilderness where he was tempted by the devil for 40 days. Jesus ate nothing at all, all that time, and became very hungry the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So what you're going to see right here is a picture of the wilderness. This is actually coming out of a place called En Gedi. Um, and I want to talk to you about what the wilderness looked like and how this fed into the temptations. But Jesus was in the Jordan River Valley, very lush, very beautiful place. And there was this huge moment where the whole world basically knew. We're going to talk about that next week at the baptism. But the sky is torn open. The Spirit of God descends. God's voice can be heard. And there's all these people crowding around, people who have been being baptized for repentance, who see in this moment that God is anointing the Savior. And so what we would think would happen in that moment, because we're human beings, is we'd capitalize on the momentum. We would, if I was Jesus, right, and something really dramatic happened in church, I know that that was the time that all of us knew the mission and we were going to move out, Right? The, the moment God speaks in this church, we're going to do whatever God says, right? I mean, are y'all with me? We hear the voice of God, we're going to go do that. And instead, Jesus goes away from all of that. You know, an interesting thing. And then what happens to him when he goes away? He's tempted. Okay, so did Satan strike him at that moment when God is speaking and all the people are around him? Why not? Seriously, why not? He would have lost, right? He's a coward. He's not as strong. Here's the moment that Jesus is ushering in the kingdom of God. It's starting. This is the time that the world changes. Satan is threatened, right? Does he want this to happen? Absolutely not. But he does not strike. Why? He can't win right then. He chooses this other time. Now, let me tell you about something I learned from um, a tank commander. Um, because I think this is the way... Satan operates. This tank commander told me, young man, 
Um, he's in a war zone with rebels, okay? And the rebels, they take fire. You, you know how it is, just reading reports about Iraq and Afghanistan. They, they plant explosive devices on the road and they strike in sneaky ways. And so they finally had a visual on rebels. They were firing on these tanks with rocket launchers and other things. And they radio back to command and they say, we have a clear line of sight on them. It's the middle of the day. Do we fire? Permission to fire, please. And the central command says, negative. Why? Why were the terrorists allowed to keep firing like that, that this tank commander had to watch them walk away unscathed, pack up all their weaponry in broad daylight and escape? Why? Because they weren't fighting fair. You know where they were standing? In front of a hospital. The insurgents you will find, the rebels, the guerrilla fighters, they cannot win if they line up for battle against the, the group that's, even the American forces, that whatever force it is, they can't win. The only way they can win or even hope to is to play dirty, right? To not fight fair. The only way Satan can win is to play dirty, to not fight fair. Did you hear Tracy up here? I'll give you another marshmallow. Just smell the marshmallow. Just lick it. Tracy had no power to give them another marshmallow. Those are my marshmallows, right? And the rules say you get one marshmallow, you can trade it in for a bigger one. Satan will lie. Evil will lie. It will hide and strike. Not when you're at church. Not when you have the community of faith around you. When you're alone on a business trip when it's late at night, when no one is looking. Satan is never going to pull you out and put you up here and say, choose now, good or evil, while the world is watching. It doesn't happen like that. It's these small choices that we make in the shadows that nobody sees, and sometimes they seem so insignificant. Just lie about that, or just take this home even though I didn't pay for it. Oh, it's in my bag. It must be a gift. I mean, those kinds of choices that lead us away. The only thing we have to do is stay focused on Jesus. Jesus is going to tell us where to go. He's going to help our life have purpose. If you can continue to follow Jesus through your life, one life following Jesus will change the community. Because of the people you meet, because of what they see in you, because of your commitment to Christ, you will change people's lives. One life. And so Satan, does he want that to happen? Satan, the forces of evil, whatever you call it, there is an army lined up against us. And what are they going to do? Instead of the frontal assault, they're going to hit from the sides, from the back, when you're not expecting it, when you're worn down. And so we have to make sure we're focused on Jesus. We know what the purpose and what the rules are for life so that we don't falter and go over here and get lost. That's all Satan has to do is just pull us off. And then we're done until we can get back on again. Okay, so here we have this temptation of Jesus. There's this huge moment um, with the baptism we're going to talk about next week. No rumblings of evil there. And then Jesus leaves, and he goes to the wilderness, dry and barren and alone, and he starts fasting. And fasting is an ancient practice where you, you don't eat food so that you can learn to trust God more deeply, so that you can remove that and just really pray. And so he is praying during this time. 
So let me, let me back up just a minute before we get back to this. Remember that video I showed in the beginning? Okay, if the reality is that the forces of evil are going to come after you, and they are, then you don't volunteer for temptation, okay? Don't volunteer. Don't be like, well, lead me not into temptation, but I will find it myself, right? You can't do that. So that first video that we saw is from this show called Temptation Island. I'm ashamed, but I watched that because it was like a train wreck in slow motion. And it was just like, wow, I need to know this because I'm a pastor. It was on years ago. And Kevin and I would just watch it with like horror. Here's the premise for the pure of y'all that never watched that. There are these four couples in committed relationships, so been together a couple years, not married yet, who are trying to figure out if this is the one, right? Or if he or she will be faithful to me. And so the way they decide to put this to the test is they go on this reality TV show called Temptation Island to go try to figure out if it's got some legs, this relationship has some legs. And what they do is they separate the couple, they put the men over here and the women over here, and they surround them with very attractive members of the opposite sex, hand-picked to tempt them. Like they, they make no bones about it. We picked these people because we think they're going to be a temptation to that person. And then they have them go on dates together with romantic candlelight and hang gliding and a hot tub. And then they film it and they show it to the other person. And these people say, well, we're going to Temptation Island because we want to see if we really love each other. If we really have what it takes to be faithful. That is the most boneheaded idea. <laughs> I mean, you guys, if y'all want to know if your relationship is going to last, the litmus test is whether or not you go to Temptation Island. <laughs> okay? Write it off. If you get on that plane, you've made your choice. You're not going to be able to last. And so this guy is saying, I feel like I'm in hell, and he is. Not because of the choices he's making there, although certainly, but because he got on that plane to go there. Do not board the plane for Temptation Island, okay? Do not. Guys, if you know the Swedish bikini team is having a calendar signing at X Hotel, don't be like, you know where we should have lunch today. Right? Business meeting. It's a business meeting. Ladies, and I'll tell y'all a story in just a second. If you ever find the place where men, young, run around half-naked, vacuuming and doing the dishes. <laughs> you with me? Avoid it, too. And this was so funny because someone came up to me and said, I was showing a house, and there was a man vacuuming naked, and I was not tempted. <laughs> I can't believe that that was an actual example that someone ran into, but if that happens in your life, resist. Maybe you could tell me what would be tempting. I'll use that next time. <laughs> you want to know? <laughs> Where is that naked vacuuming man? No, I'm not telling you. You need to avoid that place. That's the point. Okay, so Jesus is out in the wilderness. His, his tribe, the followers, right? All the people who believe in him, John the Baptist, they're all gone. So Satan strikes, right? And we have this scripture that says, here's another thing about temptation. First of all, don't get on that plane. Second of all, realize it's not a one-time thing with temptation. It's not like, have you ever noticed this? This always makes me so mad. Like temptation strikes, I struggle with it, and I resist. And I'm like, yes, put a stake in the sand. I'm done with that, right? And then like a week later, 
same dang thing, and I have to resist it all over again. Does this ever happen to y'all? And you're just like, what? Okay, so the thing about the forces of evil is they kind of can see the chinks in your armor. If you have a chink in your armor somewhere, they're not, they're going to hit you there, right? They don't fight fair. So temptation is more like water dripping, wearing you down. Those small choices we make over time where we have to resist again and again and again than it is this one-time thing. And so whenever I read this passage and whenever I've heard this passage preach, I had this idea that Jesus, and I had this idea until about a month ago when I really started studying this passage to preach it to you, I had this idea that Jesus is out there in the wilderness 40 days. At the end of the 40 days, three temptations. Are you all with me? Like, that's what it sounds like. But then you read the scripture, and it says, he, went, he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. This is verse 2, where he was tempted by the devil for 40 days. Not at the end of 40 days, but for 40 days he was tempted. We have three of them written down. Okay, so think about, um, first of all, this thing with the, with the rock. Okay, I want to show you what it looks like. We have a video of that. I want to show you what that wilderness area looks like and the rock that Satan might have used, okay? Not the actual rock, just an idea. We're here at Quamran, the, the ruins of Quamran community, which is the home of the Essenes around the time of Jesus, just before and after. It's possible that actually John the Baptist was part of this community before his ministry. But this is certainly the wilderness um, beyond the Jordan River, and so this is this or someplace like it is likely one of the places that Jesus went after he was baptized for his 40 days of temptation in the wilderness. And you remember that one of the, the things that the devil said to him when he came to tempt him was to turn a stone into bread. That was one of the temptations. And you can also imagine that if you had been fasting for 40 days, that would have been very tempting. Every rock would have looked like a piece of bread. But Jesus replied that we're not to live by bread, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. So as he was out there, he was reflecting on the importance of God and on the scripture um, for his ministry, and we'll see that later on in his ministry as well. Okay, so this temptation of bread, I don't know if any of y'all have ever been hungry, ever fasted, or ever um, just had that gnawing hunger, ever gone to bed hungry. But I've fasted before, and if you go to bed hungry, you dream of bread. You dream of food. Like your dreams just set a feast that your body isn't allowed to have. And so you can imagine that every day Jesus is is looking at these rocks and thinking, bread. It wasn't just like at the end of it, Satan came up with a Twinkie, right? And was like, yeah, eat the Twinkie, you know? And Jesus was like, no. This was like for 40 days, Satan is saying, this whole fasting thing is not a good plan. You have never been hungry, right? God had never been hungry. And so I'm sure Satan was like, you know, you'd be a lot more able to pray if you just stop fasting, just eat some bread, just make this happen for yourself. That's the first temptation is you change the rock into bread and feed yourself. And what does Jesus say? I'm not going to feed myself. I know what I'm doing. He says, I'm feasting on every word that comes from God. My purpose right now is to be fed by God is to let God speak to me, reinforce me, to learn that I can trust God, that I'm exegeting what he's saying here, right? But he's resisting. And what does he do? He quotes back, and some of y'all who um, want to go a little bit deeper, he's quoting back to the Exodus. 
So just go think about that, how Israel failed in their wilderness wandering and whined for bread and couldn't trust God to provide. And now the new Israel is in the desert and Satan is testing him and he's responding uprightly. He's not giving in to temptation. All throughout these temptations, Jesus is going to quote scripture. He's going to quote Deuteronomy, which is the Exodus. Just interesting if you want to go a little bit deeper. Um, so the way that Jesus defeated this incessant dripping was by knowing his place in salvation, knowing the story. What I want you all to remember is um, to ground yourself like Jesus did in God's word. To ground yourself in worship. That's why we need to come here each week. And on the weeks when you're the busiest, you need to make this an even bigger priority. Because when we are the busiest, we often let the spiritual stuff slack. And when we're the busiest, we're also the most stressed out, and we have the most chinks in our armor. And so Martin Luther said, I am so busy, I can't afford not to spend three hours every day in prayer. He just found it vital, and thank God that he did, because he led the Protestant Reformation, right? He led a renewal movement in the church because he was so rooted in God. Now, do we need to spend three hours? I hope not, because I'm not, right? But every day, especially the days when I'm busy, I'm like, this is the day, this is my most important thing. To have that strength pouring into me from God so that if a temptation comes along or when, I have the strength to resist. I'm not on fumes spiritually. That's the first thing. Then if you go on, I want to skip the second temptation and go to the third because um, I have a video for the second. We're going to end with that. The third temptation um, is that the devil took Jesus to Jerusalem, to the highest point in the temple, um, the pinnacle of the temple. I might have put the wrong titles on the slide, so just give me the pinnacle of the temple slide, JL. That's my fault. I said second. That's my fault. That's not his fault, okay? Um, see that little corner right there? See that corner of the where the wall comes together. That's the platform of the temple. The temple's behind it. That's all almost been destroyed. Some of the western wall on this left-hand side is left. The Satan took Jesus up to there. And the interesting thing is that Jerusalem fans out below this in a valley. And so trumpeters would go up to that pinnacle of the temple, and they would trumpet, and then everybody would listen. And if you had a good voice and someone was standing at the pinnacle of the temple, you could see and hear them. So announcements could be made to the whole city that the whole city would hear in ancient times. So Satan takes Jesus up there not to be like, look at the view of Jesus, but to say, throw yourself down, Jesus. You know the angels will catch you. And isn't that a better idea than dying on a cross? How often, friends, are we tempted to, to test God that way, right? Because that's what Jesus says, don't test God. Don't test God. And I know that I'm guilty of that. Lord, if you really want me to do this, then show me by doing X. Or I will do X if, and believe in you if you will do this for me. And Jesus says, you know, no matter what, I am dedicated to God. This is not the way. I am dedicated to God, and I don't have to throw myself down and have angels catch me and the whole city see. I can be dedicated to God in the wilderness. doesn't matter. Even if I can't understand it, I'm dedicated. So here's the last thing, which is really the second temptation, which I call the third. Um, the devil took him um, to a high mountain and revealed all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. I will give you the glory of these kingdoms and authority over them, the devil said, because they are mine to give anyone I please. I will give it all to you if you will worship me. So let's look at a video of that. 
One of the temptations uh, that Satan put to Jesus was he took him to a high place overlooking all the kingdoms of the world. And as I've reflected on that, I've wondered if he might have taken him to the Mount of Olives or a place like it. Interesting part about being on the Mount of Olives is you look down into the lush Kidron Valley, um, you can see the city of Jerusalem, and then on the other side of the Mount of Olives is just absolute desert. And so I often wonder if he took him to a place like the Mount of Olives to tempt him to say, look, leave the wilderness, forget the suffering, forget all the struggles, take the easy path. I'll give it to you right now without having to pass through any of this wilderness. As we know, Jesus was in the wilderness. He was fasting. And so it would be a temptation to take the shortcut in life. And so here on the Mount of Olives, I often, or I, I would invite you to reflect how often you're tempted to take the shortcut <laughs> instead of walking the path that God has laid out for you. So we're, we're driving up um, the Mount of Olives, and I think y'all can see that in the video. That's, um, that was really great of Greg to put that video there. That in the foreground is this lush valley, and literally on the other side of the mountain, desert. I hope y'all can see that in the video. We're driving up this mountain, and our guide says, look left, and it is barren rocks and sand, and nothing is growing. And then you look to the right, and there's the Jordan Valley with all these trees and all this lushness, and it's just the way the rain falls that on this mountain, it's the dividing line between desert and fertility. And so I can imagine that Satan took Jesus there, put his back to the wilderness, and said, all this can be yours. Forget that three years of ministry. Forget the cross. Forget all that stuff. If you just bow and kiss my hand right now, kiss my boot, this can all be yours. And that is a lie, friends. But it's a lie that could capitalize for any of us on a shortcut that we want to take, that I don't want to walk that long road. I don't even know why I need to walk it. I could leave the wilderness behind right now and enter into glory. Right, It could all be mine right, right, right now. And what Jesus says is there's no shortcuts. He says the only person we're supposed to serve Satan is the Lord. And we can remember that because sometimes we're going to find ourselves in the wilderness and there's going to be an opportunity to jump into glory that we know uh, I have to make a compromise. Or there's going to be that thing over there that I'd really like to do that part of my nature thinks wouldn't that be pleasurable and nice. And we're going to have to have the strength to say, you know what? The one person I am following in this life is Jesus Christ. And he's moving this way. And I am not going any of these other places. I will just follow him. Because let me remind you, you have the power to change the world. You, your life makes a difference to God. The things that you do and say and the people you know, it's like ripples can affect the world. The forces of evil don't want that. All they need to do is take you out, just sideline you. Don't let it happen. You have the power to resist. The Bible promises us that we don't face a temptation, that we don't have the power through God at work within us, through the Holy Spirit to overcome. So just rely on that knowledge, and when you come into that temptation, when you're tempted, be like Jesus and say, I trust God's plan. I trust the Lord. When you're tempted, say, God, I need you to put a shield around me because I feel like I'm going to give in if I don't have some help, or I need your strength, or I need you to bring me a friend to help me go through this because I'm in a cave, and just get whatever strength you need around you because you can resist. You can, because we're following Jesus, and he overcame. Let's pray. Lord God, I pray that in all of our days, 
in all of our struggles, um, in all of those times of darkness when um, we are attacked, when we feel tempted, when we're, we're tempted to compromise or to let something slip or to just take the easy way or to take the shortcut, that we would remember you in the wilderness, how you were hungry and you still trusted God to fill you how you stood up on the pinnacle of the temple with evil saying, jump off, and you said, I won't test God. And Lord Jesus, how you were tempted to leave the wilderness behind and just take the glory, and yet you walked through it. And so, Lord, meet us when we walk through the wilderness. Um, take our hand and strengthen us. Strengthen us so that your kingdom can continue to come, that the amazing movement that you began so many years ago could continue through our lives and through the life of this church so that the world could be different just because we are faithful to you. We ask this in your name. Amen. If you'd like to join with the church, or you know we'd love to have you. Do that. Come up and find me as we stand and we sing our closing song. Let's stand. Here's one more thing. Every time you resist, you get a little bit stronger. Just a little bit stronger. Let's pray. God, I pray that you would lead each of us not into temptation and that you would deliver us from evil so that our lives and the choices we make could not only bring honor to you, but so that we could make the difference in the world and the lives of other people that you know we can make so that your kingdom can be advanced. Amen.